This is a podcast from Rover. Now I'm a farmer and I'm digging, 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 digging. G'day there, everybody. Friday. It is Friday, the 18th of August. Welcome in to the podcast. Now, coming up in just a moment, please don't switch the thing off. We're going to be talking RMA replacement bills, but it's a bit more important than that. Mark Hooper from Federated Farmers come off the ropes a little bit about this, and I know that the eyes can glaze over a little bit when it comes to RMA reforms, but it is stuff that is worth talking about. Also, sport to lighten things up on a Friday as well with our man Hamish Mackay. That's all coming up here on the podcast. Well, Federated Farmers are slamming the government's what they're calling cynical decision to rush their fatally flawed 1,000-page RMA replacement bills through the House in the final sitting days of this government, uh, 1,000 pages. My God, the mind boggles. Uh, Federated Farmers RMA Reform spokesperson Mark Hooper joins us now. Mark, have you waded through that 1,000 pages yet, my friend? Uh, well, I guess um, what what we've ended up with there is, of course, um, a uh, process that started uh, back just before Christmas was 850-odd um, pages, and then we had... Um, had uh, select committee come back and have added further to it. And this um, just kind of highlights part of the problem here in that we had that consultation period over the um, Christmas New Year period, which uh, was really insufficient for you know a really good analysis of what's once in a generation um, uh, kind of uh, legislative change if we uh, consider that the current RMA was um, brought in in 1991, so mm. we're 32 years on. And um, and the changes at select committee level, um, you know, they really weren't exposed to any sort of um, public consultation process. So, so therein lies another, another problem that we just don't really feel that this... Uh, this legislation, given the importance of it, has really had the opportunity to uh, be discussed in the way that it should. Well, look, when you look at the uh, volume of stuff that's in there, and I, I look, I don't know if that's justified or not. I mean, it, it's clearly some complex stuff going in there, but you have raised the point that it's hard to believe that all the MPs have had the time or the capacity to properly you know, really get to the bottom of this. Uh, and now I think that's probably a fair point. You know, if it was me in there, would I be doing my thousand-page homework uh, on a, you know, on a Wednesday night or something, Mark? Yeah, no, prob- probably not. And um, and also I think, um, you know, it's a, it's a difficult enough subject to get your head around anyway. And, and this has been one of the issues also is that it hasn't gotten a lot of public um, attention um, because it's difficult to, um, to kind of comprehend. And, um, and also just understanding what alternative pathways might be going, um, there are going forward is also, you know, a little bit vague. So, so in that sense, you know, I think um, it's been difficult both for the public and probably simultaneously for MPs. I imagine. Well, shit, how did you get the short straw for the uh, RMA reform <laughs> spokesperson? <laughs> yeah, it felt a little bit like that. <laughs> Well, I, I suspect then that you'll know uh, a few bits and pieces about it. So you're saying that it's a nightmare for farmers and rural communities. It's basically going to add nothing but cost and complexity. Now, no one wants cost and complexity added to their lives, Mark. So how does this or these reforms to the RMA Act, how, how do these bills actually do that? What are the things that stand out to you as adding cost and complexity? 
Yeah, well, I, I guess the underlying issue is that we've already got um, significant cost and complexity in our existing RMA system. So, so really what we were looking for in um, an RMA reform process was something that was going to improve the current situation. You know, we've got issues around the cost, timeliness and uncertainty of resource consent. We've got all these issues with um, uh, lengthy uh, litigious um, plan changes um, and things like this and and the, the fundamental problem is that what has been passed doesn't really rectify any of those problems we've still got to get um, we've still got all environmental law kind of bundled together, we've still got to get resource consent for much the same things, we've still got the environment court sitting over top of it all and now we've also got the introduction of a whole lot of new uh, kind of vague and unclear terms and concepts which are going to create more uncertainty and slow down um, progress as they're likely to be subject to legal challenges. Um, you know, we've got the shift away from local democracy into the regional planning committees. Um, we've changed to uh, an outcomes-based um, process as opposed to an effects-based. And we've got these 18 different system uh, competing outcome systems uh, objectives and stuff. So so it's just, uh, I guess, you know, really we feel that um, the fundamental problems that we have just haven't been addressed, if anything, they've been added to and made more complex. Well, one of the things you just mentioned there, the local communities being sort of stripped of their democratic decision-making abilities, which will go to this new regional planning committee or these uh, these committees, uh, that seems to me to be the opposite of the way that uh, you know good things work in terms of local communities uh, coming up with solutions and resolutions to problems that affect them. That to me seems to be the well, the proof's in the pudding with that sort of stuff. Look at catchment groups and things like that uh, that really seem to make an actual difference on the ground. This stuff seems to be more bureaucracy instead of, I guess, grassroots. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So again, that's another one of the, what we would call the fundamental flaws is that um, it puts um, the decision-making process with regards to regional plans at an arm's length to uh, to voters, further away from those that it impacts most upon. And and really what we would have been looking for is, uh, is RMA processes that were kind of plain language law that empowered our local councils to make decisions, to be responsive to their local community and to have good systems in place. And, of course, just to be accountable back to the voters um, who they're doing that process for. And with this system, you know, it's a further step towards centralisation and we don't see it as uh, really anywhere that demonstrating better outcomes. Right, so these RMA replacement bills then, uh, in summary, is there anything that you do like about them or is it just convoluting an already convoluted series of, of laws, if you like? Well, I, I guess the, the one thing is is that, of course, um, you know, we have been needing RMA reform for quite some time. So in that sense, I don't think anybody's shifting away from that argument and to give some credit to the Labour Party, at least that they have driven this process and um, and got to a point where something has happened, whereas previous governments have always kind of kicked the can down the road. 
Um, and, and now we're left with a situation where uh, there's an argument to say, well, look, there's been quite a lot of work going over the last five years. Do we try and massage it into something that is more workable, try and find a way through? Or do we, um, you know, kind of throw that out, uh, repeal this uh, legislation and go back to the start again? And, and it seems, uh, you know, there's some strong arguments for the former there rather than the, the latter. But our feeling is, is that it's better to look at what are we going to, what are the systems going to be around resource management for the next 30 years going forward rather than just dwelling on, well, this is the work that we've done in the last five years and we need to stick with it. So, so our inclination is still that we need to, uh, to go back and rethink the whole process around resource management again and see if we can get plainer and simpler law that actually functions uh, more effectively in our communities. Well, yeah, credit where credit's due. You're right to point out the fact that no one's wanted to touch it, and at least uh, this government has decided to do something about it, not necessarily to everybody's uh, you know, liking, but still, they have done something. But I see that National have basically said that they will repeal both the Natural and Built Environment Act and the Spatial Planning Act, which are the two that we're talking about by Christmas if they get into government in October. So uh, you might have, you, you could probably almost discard those thousand pages, Mark. If that could be, uh, you could put them on the fire if, uh, if, if there's a change in government. Yeah, well, that's right. I think we made the comment that it's, it's not really worth the paper that it's written on. Um, and, and, you know, that's one possible scenario. If we get a, a national-led change of government, um, that's what they've promise to do to repeal it um, by Christmas and I, I think for uh, for you know a lot of farmers in that in that sense um, Christmas couldn't come soon enough <laughs> very good Mark Hooper nice to catch up with you I appreciate your time as always thanks very much okay cheers